if you're going to complain about things not being better, then you should be prepared to step up and try to make them better. Yes. <laughs> Say, kids, what do you want to be when you grow Podcast up? is back. Yes. I'm Amp. What do you want? What do you want to be? What do you want to be when you grow up? People are singing along. Say, I'm yeah, you. When you grow up, grow up. Wow! What a song! Boom, boom, boom! Podcast is back. Welcome back <laughs> to another episode of Becoming a Doctor. A podcast where two fourth year whoa no still weird to say two fourth year medical students talk about the only thing that we ever talk about <laughs> medical school <laughs> it hasn't changed <laughs> no still going strong twenty almost twenty episodes later yeah yep still talking about med school never gets old uh, I'm your host Santana Sanchez I'm the co-host. Kevin Gale. And you can find this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Becoming a Doctor Pod.com, and on Twitter at Becoming a Doc Pod. Hashtag. What? At. <laughs> yes. Okay, let's do this, dude. What is our first segment for the week? First segment this week is. Shout out to Francesca P. Antonio, <laughs> friend of the pod, <laughs> the best. First segment, go. Uh, this could become a recurring segment. We'll see what the fans say. Wow. Uh, we're going to be doing medical myth busters. Whoa. Medical myth busters. I did not. This was not my idea. This was friend of the pod, Francesca Pietrantonio's idea. Okay. Medical myth busters. Yeah. Uh, sounds pretty good. Sounds exciting. Yeah. I'll I could do this all day. <laughs> okay. What's the first one? Is that from Star Wars? I could do this all day. Is that thin? Medical Mythbusters. I could do this all day. <laughs> Anyways, great sounder. Yes. <laughs> that is what we're doing. Uh, so I was thinking we could do, if this becomes a recurring segment, we yep. could do one like more commonly held medical myth, and then we'll do one thing that like uh, we've learned and has been taught to us that turns out to not have any evidence backing it. Okay. Uh, so like a legit, like a legit thing that doctors do, but that is a myth. Okay, here we go. Yeah, hit it. We'll start out easy. Here's a common medical myth. Okay, let's hear this it. This is from WebM. Oh uh, no, this is from yeah WebMD.com. Okay, ever heard of it? I do. I know it. Medical myth: Drink at least eight glasses of water <laughs> daily. <laughs> okay, this is spicy. This is a hot take. Talk I, to me. I in cross country. I was chugging gallons of water in undergrad. Okay. Because, you know, you'd be told, oh, you're going to run fast. You got to stay hydrated. It's good for your health, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So is it a myth to drink water? Uh, it's not a myth to drink water. <laughs> this, <laughs> let's, not get, let's not get this wrong. Drink water okay. every day. Yeah. Water's good for you. Oh, yes. You need it to live. If you don't drink water, you will perish straight up. But uh, the specific amount that gets thrown around is, oh, drink your eight cups a day of, wa yep. of water, yep. and you'll be fine. That's what you need. Oh, shoot. I didn't finish my... I carry around this liter of Patago uh, Patagonia. Nalgene. Nalgene. Gigantic Nalgene. Uh, 
And often at the end of the day, I sell so much. I'm like, oh, no, I didn't reach my water goal. Yeah. My eight cups. And I chug it down. Yep. Somebody's like, Kevin, make sure you drink your water. And I'm like, I was born yesterday. (laughs) One more time. I was born yesterday. (laughs) I don't know what that is. Is that also from Star Wars? (laughs) Marvel, dude. They're Marvel (laughs) podcast sounders. Who was the the first one? Captain America. Oh, my God. Let's talk about water. I could do this all day. That's so embarrassing. <laughs> Let's talk about water some more. I could do this all day. <laughs> okay, so anyways, what's the science behind it? Let's hear it. Well, basically, there is no there is no science that backs up that you need a specific amount. I mean, everybody's going to need a different amount of water to maintain their hydration status based on their age, what level of activity they're doing. Yep. Um, what medications they're taking, yeah, what, what their they, GI tracts like, what they're eating. Yep. So the idea that eight is a perfect number or a goal that you should strive for is bunk, busted, <laughs> myth, busted. In fact, I don't think eight eight glasses would be too much, but there there are negative health ramifications to drinking too much water. You can, you could, and it's happened in the past drink so much water that you get hospitalized and potentially die right we've heard about these water drinking contests yep where people try to drink gallons and gallons for like a 100 bucks or a gift card and then they get hospitalized exactly so So, don't trust the experts on the water right well don't trust the common the common myth it's busted busted just if you're thirsty drink some water you know what happens when you trust things last time i trusted someone i lost an eye (laughs) <laughs> that's for marvel <laughs> uh yeah you don't want to be losing eyes <laughs> over water intake no no so should i think of it like um you know i'm a healthy young dude super young healthy <laughs> and i should just let my physiologic um thirst drive uh dictate how much water i drink yeah exactly so if, if my brain kicks in and says i need some water drink some water yeah but otherwise i shouldn't if i'm he- hydrated healthy i shouldn't be chugging water for no reason exactly myth busted yeah do you have baby. a myth do you have a myth buster sounder no no myth buster sounder i'm bad at my job dang what about this one this one says decision but given that it's a stupid ass decision nope, that's, I have to nope, ignore it. that doesn't fit <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay. So now, <laughs> okay. So that was our commonly held myth. I mean, how, I that's something that people say all the time, all the and, time, and believe. Now, here's a myth people probably haven't heard, unless you're a medical student or a doc. Okay, this happened to me. I'm doing my family med. Uh, yep. Within the last couple of weeks, and that is that. <laughs> oh boy, this is going to be so niche. I can't wait. <laughs> the niche myths that uh, if you are taking flagell yes metronidazole yes it is an antibiotic common antibiotic for like used for a lot of things UTIs? most th- what's up utis uh not really a lot that of, out. some stds right STIs. so you think about um what is it S- no one of them one of those stis trichomonas bacterial vaginosis yep those are stis and you get metronidazole flagell yes and there's a, I think it's on, I, I guess I've never seen it, but I think when you get the pills, there's a little warning on it that says, yep. don't take this with alcohol. Okay. Because it'll make you sick. Yep. Um, and the doctor that I was working with was like, hey, we're going to give you this only thing. It's super safe medication. Uh, only thing is, don't drink when you're using it. Okay. Apparently, there is uh, 
that this myth comes from case reports in solely from case reports there's never been a bigger study never been a randomly controlled trial oh my gosh it's never been studied deeply more deeply this comes from acphospitalist.org okay trustworthy site uh but you know you know don't trust everything you know what happens if you trust things last time i trusted someone <laughs> i lost an eye <laughs> okay uh, so let's hear it it's only case studies yeah only case studies and so this all originated from more theoretical pharmacology from the 50s and 60s when this drug was first being prescribed yep yada 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 it's it supposedly calls it a disulfiram like reaction right Right. Which is a real thing. Disulfiram, if you take any drink alcohol, you get sick and throw up. There's other medications where you causes a similar reaction with your body. Yep. Metronidazole. There are case reports that this happened. It was speculated that this was the mechanism. But there is a review published in February of 2000. Oh, this is awesome. That analyzed Let's six case reports between uh, 1969 and 1982 and found that none produced any evidence that this disulfiram-like reaction existed. Four of eight patients, eight, in the report had serious adverse events. However, they didn't have evidence of increased acid aldehyde levels, and they didn't. And there was one person that got severely sick. They didn't even have a prescription for metronidazole. Wow! And that was a case report. That was a case that, report. that said metronidazole can cause this, uh, you know, alcohol sickness. Yes. And they didn't even have metronidazole. They did not. Okay. This is a great segment. Isn't that crazy? As med students, the first two years, they say, make sure you don't take this metronidazole in, because it, with alcohol because it can cause side effects, and we don't even know if it's true. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm reading more. I guess I should have read the rest of this article. Yeah, keep going. Uh, a double-blind randomized trial of 12 people yeah huge trial where they received 12 volunteer medical students received either alcohol and metronidazole metronidazole or alcohol and a placebo okay three times a day for five days there was no difference between the groups in blood acid aldehyde levels vital signs or symptoms pretty small n number but myth busted myth busted i'm probably still not gonna you know Tell my patients to go on a bender, yeah, right? hit the bars when they're <laughs> taking metronidazole. But but you can say you can preface it right. There's been some case reports that said alcohol can cause a side effect for this. I wouldn't recommend drinking alcohol, but we don't, the data isn't is insure at this point. That yeah. kind of thing isn't that crazy? Yeah, that is pretty crazy. I love this myth busting. Yeah, don't worry like, about water. Don't worry about metronidazole and alcohol. Yeah, just. Live your life. So, okay, so you act out. You're going to be my preceptor, and you're going to tell me about the metronidazole side effect. Wait, I'm who? You're the, my preceptor. I'm the med student, oh. and you're going to tell me about this you know, old wives' tale. So here's the thing, Kevin. What's up? What's up, Dr. So-and-so? Uh, we got to get this patient there flagile. Okay. But make sure you tell them to stay off the sauce while they're taking it for their five-day course. <laughs> Dr. Sanchez. Get your story right. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> fail. <laughs> there All is, costs. <laughs> there is that dynamic. Awesome. Great segment. Great segment. That was badass. What a terrific idea. Yep. Yep. Yes, sir. Okay, next segment. What's our next segment? Our next segment is 
could also become a recurring segment. Who's to say? Wow, you your producing skills on point <laughs> this week. I can take no credit for these. On point. This one is going to be called Say What? <laughs> say What? <laughs> Where we're going to be addressing jargon that we have used on previous episodes oh, of the podcast. This is genius. <laughs> Because we're anti-jargon, right? Yeah. Anti-medical this, jargon. This podcast is for sure anti-jargon. We want to we want people to understand what we're talking yeah. about. Say what? <laughs> okay, so do you have any examples of what we've brought up? For instance, when you said metronidazole earlier, I had to stop you and yeah. say, listen, dude, that's for an antibiotic. can be used for some STDs. Yes, exactly. Say what? <laughs> so uh, one term that we've thrown around a ton and that medical people do all the time, and nobody else, I think, really understands exactly what it means, yeah. is consults. 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 It's the backbone of the modern uh, hospital uh, system. Backbone of the healthcare team. Yes, exactly. So people are like, what does that mean? Like, what's a consult? Yeah. Yep. So- I'm talking to a patient. I'm the hospitalist, mm-hmm. right? I'm the quarterback for them, keeping everything organized for them. I tell the patient, I'm going to consult ID. And the patient's going to look at me like, what? What? And then we are going to clarify, say what? I'm going to consult ID. <laughs> Do you have a sounder? <laughs> no, I don't have anything good. Rats. Uh, anyways, so... What does that mean, Kevin? When when we're saying, oh, neurology is a consult service. Oh, I'm gonna we placed a consult to cardiology. What this, is that all about? This is a great question. So as a hospitalist who um, is the primary uh, organizer and medical decision maker for a patient, you can't you can't be an expert in everything, right? Right. You know a lot of stuff, a little bit about a lot of stuff. But you are not a heart doctor. You're not a cardiologist. No. So let's say the patient comes in. They're in the hospital for a few days, and they got some really rare heart symptom or diagnosis, some confusing heart rhythms. Yep. And you can't quite, you don't know what to make of it. You're like, no, I do. <laughs> you look at that EKG, and you're like, no, I do. <laughs> it happens to me all the time. Oh. Uh, you say, I'm going to get an expert opinion to come in and be part of the medical team, your medical team, and they're going to start helping with the healthcare team to take care of you. Yep. So, for instance, rare cardiac disease, rare heart, heart disease, you consult the cardiologist. Mm-hmm. So, you call up the cardiologist and you give them the, the, the you know, three-minute patient info, what they came in for, what their diagnosis is, and why you want them on board to help with the team. Um, and then they are officially part of the patient's team from then on. Um, they either will do a one-day um, consult, meaning they will see the patient one day and give you an answer straight away and say, right. here's your answer. I can sign off. I don't need to be part of this patient. It's pretty simple from here on. Or if it's really compl- complicated, they'll say, I will start seeing this patient every day they're in the hospital to help sort out their cardiac problems. Exactly. And that's a consult. Yes. Wow. <laughs> Who Say what? <laughs> Say what? So it happens all the time. Somebody comes in and they're super sick. They, um, they have 
a cardiac problem, right? Their heart's not pumping as, as well as it should be. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, we're going to get the cardiologist on board, consult the cardiologist to say, we got to get this heart pumping better and we need your help with it. Right. Then, oh my gosh, they have a fever. And I don't know why they have a fever. We're trying to give some antibiotics. Maybe they have an infection, maybe not. Let's get the infectious disease doctor on board. Of course. <laughs> Uh, and so you consult the infectious disease doctor, the doctor who knows all about bacteria, infections, that kind of thing. Exactly. Um, and, se- and and this happens all the time when you get the infectious disease consult. You get the cardiology consult. Mm-hmm. Um, what's another common consult that happens all the time? Uh, the big ones that like tons of people in the patient, uh, patients that are in the hospital for a long time get are PTOT. Oh, yeah. Yep. What Say what? What's PTOT? <laughs> Glad you asked. Uh, physical therapy and occupational therapy. So these are therapists that come in and, and work with folks to make sure that they can uh, move around on their own and do their you know activities of daily life, um, which are mainly being taken care of for them while they're in the hospital, um, but make sure that they're safe to go back to home or wherever they were before they were admitted. Yep. Um, I guess the other one, the other ones that like everybody gets is like. A uh, nutritionist. Lots of people are staying in the in the hospital for a long time. Have either complicated nutrition needs or they're malnourished, and that's kind of um, a factor playing into their disease. And so you get a nutritionist on board who's an expert in that stuff and can work with this person while they're in the hospital and maybe set up a plan for them once they get back home. Right, because like I said, this all boils back stems from the fact that the hospitalist. The guy or gal who's in charge of this patient isn't an expert in anything, right. including right. nutrition, right? I can tell a patient, oh, you know, you need to drink high-protein um, supplements. Yeah. We got to get some muscle mass back in you. Mm-hmm. But I don't know the, the details on that. Let's get the nutritionist consult to go in-depth, have some more time, have some more discussion. Precisely. That kind of thing. Yeah. And so the, the consults basically all feed into kind of the team-based care. Team-based care. Uh, Healthcare is, like, is a team. Exactly. Yep. Yes, sir. Uh, so is that the segment? Is that I, our, is I, that our what, say what segment? I think so. That's a pretty good uh, jargon to break down for the first segment. The thing is, though, I don't consult very often. You know why? No offense, but I don't play well with others. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I'm like, cardiologist? No offense, but I don't play well with others. <laughs> wow. Put that person on a diuretic. Forget the cardiologist. <laughs> I don't approve. Say what? <laughs> All right. That's just, I mean that that's our segments for today. Yeah, nice job. Very, very good. Uh you know your producing skills? I'm very uh, I got so much love for you right now. I love you six thousand. <laughs> Thanks. My 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 podcast co-host. I love you six thousand. This is what I want from you. Silence. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty good. Okay. Uh let's crack open these bubblies really quick. Crack them open. I play tennis today. I'm parched. Yeah, he must be super dehydrated. And yes, I did win. Cherry, <laughs> wow! Cherry bubbly today. They ran out of lime at the grocery yeah, store. What the heck? Lime demand is off the charts, so we're settling for cherry. Yeah, people have been listening too <laughs> much. Sold out across the nation. Um, 
crack open that bubbly, but it's time for our favorite segment of the podcast, the guest segment. The guest. Um, do you want to introduce her while I get her on the phone? The guest. The guest. Yes. Our guest this week uh, is somebody that we've known since day one. Day one of med school. Of med school. She, you know, <laughs> it's a complicated backstory. <laughs> she uh, was our advisor from day one. First off, she's a doctor. She's an expert. Okay. And so she could advise us first year med I students. thought I was introducing the guest. <laughs> What's going on here? My bad. I'll stay silent. <laughs> what do you want from me? <laughs> uh, she was our advisor. Yep. And then, because she's also a practicing doctor, she also works on the curriculum for our med school. Wow. And uh, I think also because she was going to be a new mom she's like let me step back from these medical students they're too needy yeah that's very true (laughs) there's too much i got too much on my plate cut them loose she Uh, did it tons on her plate right she was a neurologist she was a professor she was an advisor right and first thing to go you cut the med students exactly she was working well we can uh let's ask her about it let's get her on the phone Let's uh, let's get her on the Jamie phone. Stark, Dr. Jamie Starks. Dr. Dr. Jamie. I don't know if we actually introduced her. Okay, here we go. Bring, 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 bring. Time to go mobile. <laughs> it's not. Oh, boy. This, this is my favorite part of the podcast every week. This is normal for Kevin. <laughs> okay. She said, call you in two minutes. Perfect. Okay. So um, that means we can talk about her some more. Um, yeah. So I think at the time, I remember talking to her, and I believe that she was trying to rework the entire neurology, un- like uh, second year neurology course to make it more uh, applicable for board exams and more easily digestible so you would actually learn something that you could take into your uh, clinical rotations. Yeah, she told me. So she's a neurologist, a doctor, yeah. right? Doctor of the brain. Doctor of the brain. And she told me when she went to the University of Minnesota, it was a frustrating experience. The neurology course. I think she went to the U of M, didn't she? <laughs> well, I guess we'll ask her. Ooh. When she took neurology, it was frustrating. She was she had waited a long time to have an impact on that course, and so that's why she took it on. Um, and also just helping the students, which was awesome. Yeah. But the thing about Jamie Starks is I think a good thing to, to put on the pod is that she was one of the younger faculty advisors, right? These yeah, docs for sure. uh, take 10 or 12 med students and advise them on how to get through med school. And so she was one of the younger ones. So she had kind she was recently in the process in the MD grind. Yep. And so she knew what we needed to hear, what advice we needed what could calm us down, what kind of stresses we'd have. Right. She seemed so in touch with what we needed. Exactly. It yeah. was so helpful. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah, the whole med school process was still like relatively recent in her memory. Yes, exactly. Um, yep. Yeah, that's such a great point. Right. And she's a millennial, right? So she knows what the millennials need. Are you a millennial? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> What's the cutoff? <laughs> uh. I think I'm a Gen Z. <laughs> uh, hmm, I don't know if that checks out. Yeah, uh, she's she just is 
her and her being young, being young is just awesome anyways right supreme court justices who are 80 get them off the court Bye. let's get some young people on let's there get rid of some of the young ones too yeah yeah agreed agreed <laughs> <laughs> let's make some adjustments on that thing <laughs> that's for a different podcast yeah that's for it. that's politics with kevin and santana <laughs> check it us out on politics with kevin santana.com <laughs> yeah people would love that yeah yeah um so she was knowledgeable she was recent she was young what else she was funny like that was so helpful yeah she was so approachable approachable that's a great word for her um yeah, especially as like a brand new med student going to meet a doctor to like, you're like, oh, help me through. I, I, need, I need help. I'm I'm young. <laughs> What's a metronidazole? <laughs> and Dr. Starks was like, make sure you tell your patients. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but then she dropped us. Oh, yeah. That's the other part of the story. So then she became a mom. Mm-hmm. Where he's wearing too many hats. Yep. And said, guys, I want to continue to be your faculty advisor, but I don't have 25 hours in a day, so I got to drop something. Mm-hmm. So she handed us off to one of her peers. Yep. And we haven't seen her in a year and a half. <laughs> 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 Let's see what's up. Let's see what's up with Dr. Starks. I think she used to have us call her Jamie. Time to go right? mobile. Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. She said, "I'm ready whenever you are." <laughs> give me a, give me a sounder. Noise. <laughs> That's what I say to that. Okay. Should I call her old school instead of FaceTime audio? Sometimes we gotta. Sure. Throw that wrench into it. Okay, try calling her. Old school. Bring, bring. Oh. Piercing. <laughs> hey, can you hear me? We can hear you. Hello. Okay. Sorry, one second. I'm actually in my car. Just got another um, No worries. You're multitasking on a Sunday. I definitely am. Uh, one second, sorry. Take your time. We'll keep we'll keep introducing you. We just did like a five minute segment on who Jamie Starks is, Doctor Jamie Starks. <laughs> oh boy, I can't wait to find out. Who I am. Uh, all right, I'm gonna have to make a quick phone call. <laughs> then I will be ready. I okay, swear. we'll call you. Or do you want Do you want me to call you in like five minutes or ten minutes? Um, I think five minutes should work. Okay. Okay. Perfect. Don't get lost. Stay safe. <laughs> okay, bye. Okay. Dr. Starks. Okay, what are we doing now? I'll we're tell off you, the rails. I'll tell you what we're doing. We're taking a quick 180 and we're going to Kevin's Corner. We'll keep yes. it short. We'll keep it simple. I liked your pot, uh, your segment earlier. Say what? Yep. It's a play on. We talked about it. Our friends they published Corinne Praska, Rachel Gottlieb, Victoria Charpentier. Yep. Uh, published a paper on medical terminology and the how three amigos <laughs> kind of how prevalent is it at children's hospital or like the, uh, the the hospitals pediatric hospitals they they saw. Yep. And I thought to myself, oh my gosh, 
we never bragged about our publication, Santana. Didn't we? No. Really? Yeah. I bragged about that so much. <laughs> I figured it came up. Uh, it all stems. Well, let's let's talk about this. You. What's the name of it? Without reading. Yeah. I can uh, see you're reading. <laughs> I got it memorized. Uh, it's doc, uh, future Dr. Sorensen, future Dr. Sanchez, future Dr. Gale, and current Dr. Elfman. Elfman. And the title is Severe Referred Shoulder Pain Following Revision Fundiplication from a Stitch on a Diaphragm. Wow. wow. <laughs> Tell me more. <laughs> It all starts with Tom at the beginning of third year saying, Kevin, you probably should get one more publication. And I go, well, I don't want to do research. He's like, here's what you're going to do. You're going to keep your head on a swivel during third year. Keep your eyes out for an interesting case. Uh-huh. Anything interesting, anything rare comes up, ask the doctor if you can write up a case report. And a case report is basically just formalizing um, what happened to this patient and then putting it in a medical journal so other physicians can see what happened learn from this rare case right um and so i was in my surgery rotation with the vip dr elfman the vip yeah duh okay vip of waconia man. patient was having <laughs> really really surgery. bad left shoulder pain and we we came upon an interesting case ate. where okay after a surgery and he tried everything and uh short story long story short yep <laughs> he's thought Oh, you know, that surgery, we might have put a stitch into a part of your body that could cause us pain. Right. The and diaphragm. The diaphragm. The diaphragm helps with your lung expansion. Mm-hmm. And he's like, it might be that. We could take you back to the operating room and take it out and see if that works. And this is after trying so many different things. Right. And she was uh, in such severe pain and could barely eat. She'd lost a lot of weight because... Uh, every time she ate, it was just excruciating pain. So she was, she said, you know what? I'll try anything. Like, let's do it. Right. Let's do it. Dr. Elfman. We went in there, took out the stitch and the next day, no pain. Wow. Yeah. A medical marvel, a medical, what'd you say? Medical marvel. (laughs) (laughs) Something about Marvel. You think you're the only superhero (laughs) in the world? That's what I said to Dr. Elfman. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and so uh, it was an interesting case. There isn't very much medical literature on this surgery causing shoulder pain and then taking out a stitch. And so uh, I worked with him, wrote it up. Yep. Um, I didn't have the bandwidth to do it all by myself. Of course. So I said, I'm going to call up my bros, <laughs> the boys. Uh, you had some time to... Uh, to work on this paper with me yep. and you had just gotten done with a, a very, very similar surgery in surgery. Yeah. I saw like three or four of these procedures. So you knew the the content you could help with the writing process. Yep, exactly. And uh, Tom is kind of a case study publishing expert. Yeah. Guru. A, a guru. And uh, so we wrote up some nonsense and he really refined it to make it um, a little more uh, short, scientific, Yep. Good verbiage. And then we sent it to Dr. Elf and said, what do you think about this? And he told us. I love you three thousand. <laughs> <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> and so we sent it off to a couple journals. <laughs> we sent it off to one journal. We just. <laughs> I sent it off. You to, sent it off because you, know, you were one of your tasks was to get this thing published. Send it to the American surgeon. Yep. 
Americans only. Um, <laughs> uh, and they were like, yeah, we love it. It was, it, we'll take it. Wasn't it within a few days, like five days they it, responded? I think it was within, I can look it up, but I think it was within two days. I submitted it in the middle of the night Yep, when I was doing peds. Yep. And I guess, I don't know, it's hard to judge time <laughs> when you're doing <laughs> when nights. But I think it was two days later. It was like under 72 hours. Oh. They got back to me. They're like, yeah, just change the title. We love it. Do a couple modifications. Get rid of the images. And so Kevin slaved over. <laughs> so if you Google severe referred shoulder pain, that was the symptom. Following revision fundiplication, that's the surgery, from a stitch on the diaphragm. If you Google that, or if you Google Sanchez, Gale, Stitch, it'll come up and you can read all about it. Should, we'll call Jamie right after I read the abstract. Okay, let's hear it. Complications following fundiplication surgery, a type of surgery, are rare. We, here in this article, we present the case of a 61-year-old woman who underwent this surgery complicated by dysphagia. This is so boring. Never mind. Snooze. <laughs> Snooze fast. Yeah, we don't need to listen to that. Uh, yeah. You know what? It, you know what? What? Time to go move. <laughs> You're right. Skip. Ke- That's Kevin's corner, though. We had never talked. We have never talked about that. A little shout out to ourselves. Yeah. Nice work on that case report. So let's move on to the guest. Here we go. We're going to try FaceTime audio again. Hopefully it works. Maybe not. Okay. We'll go old school if it doesn't. It could be that she has it plugged into her car. She's driving around the city. She's actually like doing important things with her <laughs> lives. Not at the pod HQ. Yeah. Or we'll go old school and just call her yeah. the, the old way. Give her a call. Here we go. Bring, bring. Hello. Hello, Dr. Jamie <laughs> Starks. Hi. Welcome to the pod. <laughs> Thank you. We're recording live to tape right now. So anything you say is in history forever. Yeah. Get excited. <laughs> On the record. <laughs> Thanks for making How time. Is- for- What's I'm sorry. I, well, I want to ask the first question. <laughs> oh, whoa. Uh, oh, hot. <laughs> How did you guys decide to do a podcast? Uh, <laughs> how did we decide? It's always been a dream of ours. <laughs> I think we were just talking about med school so much all the time that we decided, let's just start recording this and putting it on the internet. Yeah. And since then, it's blown up. Yeah, it's pretty good. We already have three listeners. My dad, Santana's mom, and, and Santana's girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. Yep. No, I mean, it makes sense because in my experience, people love listening to people talking about med school. And <laughs> <laughs> yes. yes. Brilliant. Good Brilliant. point. Good point. Oh, wait. Are you still driving right now? I'm worried about your safety right now. I am, but I have hands-free Bluetooth. So. Oh, perfect. <laughs> perfect. Very safe. Very safe. Okay, so... Um, we gave you this beautiful intro. You should you should have heard us just sending accolades your yeah. way. Best oh, neurologist boy. this side of the Mississippi. <laughs> <laughs> Best neurologist on the sixth floor of the VA. <laughs> Fourth floor. Actually, oh yeah, yeah. That's okay. <laughs> um, but we want to hear the intro from you. Who's Dr. Jamie Starks? Um. So I am a behavioral neurologist. And I work, well, my clinical work is 
at the VA, but I also am a medical educator and I teach um, first and second year medical students um, at the University of Minnesota Medical School, their first year neuroscience course and their second year neurology and pathophysiology course. Love it. And we were, I think I was telling uh, Santana that one of the reasons you picked up the professor hat is because uh, I think when you were going through it, it was maybe a frustrating experience and you wanted to make a change when you got to a point in your career where you could have an impact on that medical education. Yes. I think I probably talked with you about that, Kevin, that um, there were times in my medical school journey, um, which I should mention, I did go to the University of Minnesota. Go, go uh, first. Where I felt like <laughs> things could be done better. And so when I had the opportunity to jump in and do some teaching myself, um, that's what I did. So I figured, you know, if you're going to complain about things not being better, then you should be prepared to step up and try to make them better. Uh, you know, <laughs> Well put. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> and are there any other hats that you wear other than the VA neurologist, behavior neurology, um, professor, anything else that you're wearing right now? Um, I am a new mother. <gasps> What's the nine and a half month old Lila Jane, who is in the backseat right now. Oh, put her on. <laughs> Put Lila. This is her big break. She might, she might pipe up at some point, which would probably not be a good thing. So it'll probably be crying. But okay, sleep tight, Lila. Quiet. How is that? Is probably your main hat now, being a mom, right? It's my favorite hat for sure. Yeah. Were you able to take some time off uh, after uh, the pregnancy? Yes, I took a long leave. Um, actually, a little over four months. My my initial intention was to take four months and based on my due date, that would have put me at about new year's. So I thought that was kind of perfect timing. And then she came a few weeks early and I decided to just keep my return date as, as is and take the extra time. And I don't regret it. Yeah. You should have taken longer. <laughs> <laughs> what if I could, we actually didn't have, at the time, there was no federal um, parental leave policy. It actually went into effect October 1st, two months after she was born. Um, so it was all, <laughs> I had to use all my vacation and sick time and a little bit of unpaid leave. So, so I was definitely maxing it out. Oh, boy. <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, what, what's the policy now? Are, they, are they at least guaranteeing two weeks or four weeks? I think it's actually pretty good i think i want to say it's 12 weeks oh thank oh, thank the lord they made the change yeah, as it should be i'm yeah. glad you don't regret <laughs> taking extra time off do you regret dropping us as an advisor <laughs> Whoa! every day no, I, <laughs> that was a really hard decision um particularly because i was leaving before all of my advisees had graduated um but when I started the neuroscience co-course director gig, that took up so much of my time that I, I really, truly did feel like I wasn't able to do the job properly for you all. Um, but I was still so glad that I did it because I got to meet 
um, so many of you guys and um, hopefully we'll be staying in touch regardless as we are right now. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. We always do our weekly phone call, the three of us. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, We can come on your pod next week. (laughs) If you need a babysitter, Santana and Kevin, dot com babysitting <laughs> oh perfect yeah <laughs> um yeah uh, everything's true about that except for the babysitting i, I wouldn't trust myself with a nine-month-year-old <laughs> no idea no clue um so you're not going into pediatrics then okay no no oh my gosh that's this is a great game do you you know santana and i what is your prediction we've pr- basically decided at this point yeah you know ba- oh. just started fourth year about to apply what do you think? That's a great question. I, mm, my first instinct was to say internal medicine for both of you. Although Kevin could possibly see emergency medicine. Wow. Um, How'd I, how'd I do? You're great. <laughs> you nailed it. We're both going into IM. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Wow, nice job. <laughs> I actually really liked emergency medicine, but the, on day one, my emergency medicine preceptor basically said, if you do this, you're going to get super burnt out in 10 years, and then you got to find a new career path, try to transition. Oh, I'm, I'm so glad they were honest with you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think emergency medicine is one of those specialties that is the most fun when you are a medical student, just like kind of watching all the excitement and not actually um, responsible for it. <laughs> and, uh, and I think also that what you see as a medical student is not necessarily reflective of the day-to-day job of most emergency medicine physicians. Right. When did you figure out you wanted to be a neurologist? Is that, is that, just, That's a good question. Is that just a residency? I have no idea. Is it a neurology residency? Yes. No idea. <laughs> yeah, yes. is, is neurology a residency? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> no clue. It's a, it's a four-year residency. And then the, um, the behavioral neurology part of it, that's a subspecialty that um, was an additional fellowship. But yeah, I, <clears throat> I think I kind of knew by third year that I was going to do neuro something, but mm. I wasn't sure what that was. Um, in fact, I really liked neurosurgery and neuropathology Whoa. um yeah and it was weirdly actually kind of after my pediatrics rotation um where it wasn't so much that i liked doing peds i definitely did not but we got more responsibility as medical students to like actually sort of play doctor and I really liked um, that kind of medicine I realized and so and then I I thought back to the prior year and just how I had felt kind of at the end of the day of each of my rotations and I remembered after my well I was on my neurology rotation at HCMC um, the hours were super long I was there we were rounding to like 10 p.m. every night and I like you know eight granola bar in the bathroom lunches that kind of thing but I was really I remember being really excited and energized at the end of the day despite that and I remember not feeling that way about neurosurgery and neuropathology I thought they were like interesting and 
neurosurgery was exciting, but um, I remember feeling drained at the end of those days. So that was kind of what changed it for me. No way. I think as I said to you guys, I think the way that you choose a specialty is kind of that gut feeling of when you're on rotation, what makes you feel energized at the end of a long day. Definitely. And not neurosurgery. No <laughs> chance. I did a neurosurgery. Well, that and I'm just, I'm so not a morning person. Oh. Like I was able to oh, wake no. up at 4 a.m. for two weeks, but that's probably not sustainable for me. <laughs> yeah. That's where you maxed out. Yeah. yeah Santana, exactly. Santana, what time were you, were you waking up for your neurosurgery? 4.30. Gosh, darn. Yeah. Uh, I remember, yeah, biking over to HCMC at like 4.30 in the morning. Did you, uh, were your attendings uh dr bergman and dr galicic yeah. no oh, yeah. way oh yeah oh bergman and galicic yep bergy they're so great they're still around <laughs> still awesome. killing it the legends of university of minnesota is what we call them <laughs> <laughs> and what's going on right now in your life is it most is it the mom thing uh, lila taking care of lila the get, mom thing getting her around that kind of thing yeah, and um, gardening. Oh, love getting out in the yard. Oh my gosh, Santana, tell Jamie what we're, we're what you're growing in in our yard right now. Well, I'm not growing it. I can't take credit. <laughs> uh, Francesca, our third roommate, uh, is growing a bunch of stuff. We went to Home Depot really? the other day. She's got some tomatoes going. There's no tomatoes <gasps> yet. Tomato plants, uh, some yeah. herbs, oregano, basil, thyme. We got a jalapeno too. I am not so not holding my breath for that one. We'll see. <laughs> we grew some jalapenos last year, actually. Really? Yeah. How'd they turn out? Like good. Well, I didn't eat them because I can't handle spice, but my husband said they were good. <laughs> okay, maybe there's still hope. It was like two or three, not a lot of them, but but enough. Well, that's exciting. A food garden, awesome. I know. She's at the store right now. I think buying more. <laughs> more plants <laughs> yeah it gets addicting <laughs> yeah. it really does oh uh before i forget dr starks uh ellie cranky and corinne praska say hi they wanted me to tell you oh. on the pod oh yeah i love them both what do you think they're Yay. going into ellie and Corey? Hmm. um i hope they're both going into neurology i'm probably not that lucky Ooh, I hate to break the news oh, to you. <laughs> Probably neither, right? Neither. <laughs> uh, but Poppy's going into neurology. Oh, one so, of one of our peers, Poppy's going into. I didn't know yeah. idea. I didn't know that either. Yeah. So has she? Have you rotated, or has she rotated with you at the VA? No, she has not. Okay, that's so nice. But Kayla did. Oh yeah. Oh, Kayla Murphy. One of the VA, yeah. one of the VAers, basically there for nine months. Yeah. Yes, she was. See, even though you're not a faculty advisor, you're still going to know first years and second years as a teacher. It'll kind of keep you connected yeah, to sure. every class. Exactly. Yeah. Which is a lot of fun. Are you, are you done with the faculty divide? Like did the last classes graduate two weeks ago or was that last year when you were done with all faculty advising? Um, wait, say that again. Do you, did you have any, uh, were you an advisor for any people who graduated this year or was your last class last year? Yes, I did. Oh, so yes. that must've been kind of, 
Did you cry again this year? I know you cried like two years ago. You told me all about it. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Are you going to come it's to so our graduation cool. and shed some tears? <laughs> yeah, hopefully it'll, since you'll actually like have one in person. Actually, match day is the more exciting thing. Oh, okay. Match day. Yeah, Santana's yeah. hoping to match the VA. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> Well, where do you guys want to do? Sorry, what was that? Where do you want to go for internal medicine? (sighs) My plan. Local, or are you going to get out of town? I'm going to spread my wings. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, My plan is to get out to the Pacific Northwest, beautiful Ah. part of the country. Um, That's where Francesca is from. Um, So move over there, be a little bit closer to her family. Yes, Santana has been dating. Part of the yes, Santana has been dating Franny for seven years, six or seven. So <laughs> he needs to make some sacrifices uh, for his partner, basically. Yeah, your turn. Your turn. Oh, yeah, by far my turn. Because <laughs> she has to listen to us talk about med school twenty four seven. So <laughs> it's a sacrifice in itself. Yep. Um, I'm hoping to go to uh, you know HCMC. Uh, regions, Abbott Northwestern. What's the other one? Las Vegas <laughs> or Las Vegas. So, you know, put in a good word for me in, in Las Vegas. If you know anyone yeah, out there. Definitely. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, I mean, there are three very good internal medicine programs in the Twin Cities. Yeah. Oh, for cool. sure. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. It wouldn't be both of us. I mean, I might want to get out of here too, but both of us would be happy mentioning here when, you know, Absolutely. it'd be a good opportunity. Um, okay, so Dr. Starks, we brought you know why we brought you on here. <laughs> Do I? <laughs> for, for a controversial take from an MD, a hot take, something that gets the people going. Okay. So this is actually more as a medical educator. Love I it. do not I do not think that medical students need to learn about the habenula. About the what? <laughs> exactly. And I think, I'm pretty sure your class did learn about it, which proves my point. What was the word? For real? Yeah. Habenula. <laughs> it doesn't ring a bell, honestly. Get on up to date really quick. What the heck is the habenula? Exactly. <laughs> it is a neuroanatomical structure that we've been making medical students learn how to identify for years. Nobody really knows what it does. Um, Nobody knows what it does? Not really. There's like, (laughs) uh, maybe involved in like addiction pathways or something, but you know. Addiction pathways? So so my habenula is pretty strong, is what you're saying? Perhaps. Yeah, I don't even know. Or maybe dysfunctional. I don't even know. Oh my gosh. Um, but that was that was what probably my first battle as the new <laughs> co-course director of neuroscience was to take that off the parts list. <laughs> wow. And Howell wanted to and keep I, it around. I stand by it. <laughs> I'm looking at I'm looking at it right now on a image on Google and it's so so small. <laughs> what? I definitely this is one of the things that I Do you remember? Uh, no, ring a bell? not at all. Yeah. 
did know. we learn did we actually learn about it our class i'm pretty sure your class did yeah oh boy well you can't learn it all well, you did, gotta pick did and I choose. Teach you guys i can't remember did i teach you guys you taught uh you taught like three lectures for yeah. us basically and, okay. and and from what I remember, you did a whole lecture on the Habenula. That's how that's how I remember. <laughs> Clearly didn't have much impact on you. <laughs> no, I think you had just taken over a couple lecture opportunities at that point. Okay. Um, that could be. Yep. So the Habenula might I'm not sure if the Habenula was still on the parts list. That's okay. Good. But it's gone now. <laughs> yeah. It it broke Dr. Wessendorf's heart a little oh. bit, but he actually did send, he sent me an article about the Habenula a couple weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> not, not even making that up. <laughs> that's a pretty, that's a pretty good take. I like that. If, if every advisor, I mean, every professor thought, what can we get rid of? What is not important to this, this education? Yeah. It would be very helpful for us. Yeah. I think we shouldn't, at least as far as anatomy goes, I don't think we need to learn every structure just because it exists. Right. Start with the habenula, go, get rid of the liver next. You know, <laughs> this is the stuff that yeah. doesn't matter. I mean, quite frankly, anything outside of the nervous system is <laughs> right. irrelevant. <laughs> that is pretty controversial, maybe in the academic world, but Santana and I are totally on board. You yeah. got two fans. Yep. Anything that. else you want to get rid of <laughs> the curriculum? <laughs> okay. The last thing I wanted you to do on the pod was throw out three trivia questions for Santana. And I want you to do an easy neuro, what? a medium neuro, and a hard neuro. And see, oh, see how wow. Santana Sanchez does. You know, former pupil of yours, studied neurology, just finished neurosurgery, so he should be, you know, have his knowledge on the tip of his tongue. Okay. I don't like this. Yeah, you should. All right, here we go. <laughs> about their lesions cause deficits on which side? Ipsilateral or contralateral? This is your easy one. A what lesion? Cerebellum. Cerebellar hemisphere, specifically. Hit it, Santana. Uh, fifty-fifty shot. <laughs> ipsilateral. Yes, ipsilateral. Yeah, he's hundred percent so far. <laughs> Not a guess. Should we do the difficult question next? Yeah, let's just give straight to the difficult one. I think I'm feeling okay. good. Why are they ipsilateral? Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, take your best shot. Uh. Why are they ipsilateral? I know the answer if Santana doesn't. Do you? I mean, I could guess. I don't know okay, for sure. Let's hear it. I mean, because it doesn't cross over. <laughs> Rats. Does Kevin, it, what's the answer? It crosses over twice. Uh, nice. Wow. Bing, 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 bing. <laughs> are you sure you want to do internal medicine? Yeah, I want to consult <laughs> neurology. <laughs> I, anytime, anytime, that yeah, for sure. I'm going to consult neurology probably more than any other consult. <laughs> Dr. Starks, I haven't even taken neurology yet. I, I'm, not I'm taking two weeks of neurology in October, and that's my neurology rotation. Oh, yeah, it's optional now, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. 
Ugh. But you have so much knowledge. Break my heart. Break my heart. Yeah, Are I, you going to take it? Uh, probably not, because I already know so much about the cel- <laughs> cerebellum <laughs> and the tracks. <laughs> that was a great look at that. Two for two over here in the apartment. Except for Santana. Got, yeah. got one of them wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pretty disappointing. Okay, now we have a, an internal, internal medicine uh, trivia question for you. And then, oh we'll, and then okay. we'll get rid. You, we, you've already wasted too much time with us. You got to go <laughs> back to Lila. Um, okay, so uh, what is the common but yet unfounded side effect that is um, associated with metronidazole? common but unfounded yes commonly held belief that is not true side effect of metronidazole this is kind of a what what am i thinking cool trivia question diarrhea <laughs> uh, diarrhea it is santana uh a disulfiram like reaction not a thing not a thing a what <laughs> Uh, it's called habenula. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not a thing. <laughs> uh, disulfiram like reaction, like you're you're not supposed to drink alcohol oh. with metronidazole. Not true. Oh. Never been studied. How did you find that out? Uh, Google. <laughs> sure. <We're>, yeah. <laughs> it was Sa- Google. Santana's been taking some medication recently. Let's just say, let's just keep it at that. Oh, <laughs> uh, this is the best, Doctor Starks. I we I like talk. I miss you so much, honestly. Oh, I miss you guys. One of the things we said about you is that not only were you so knowledgeable of what medicines needed to hear and for reassurance, but that you also just was so personal and liked to laugh. It was such a nice thing to have you as a faculty advisor. Oh, thank you. But, you know, Very on to better things. Yes. <laughs> Everything comes to an end. <laughs> oh, yeah. But it's okay. We'll call you next week for your podcast. No big deal. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> we'll look forward to it. Okay. Thanks for calling. Thanks for making time for us. Yeah, this was a blast. Thank you. Uh, okay, we'll catch you later. I, I look forward to seeing you at your um, neurology rotation. At the VA. <laughs> <laughs> okay, see you then. <laughs> okay, bye. Bye. Okay, bye. There she is. Wow. One of the best. There she is. One of the best. Um, the Habenula. What is it? I no one knows no one cares there's no way that we learned this so I'm on Wikipedia the habenula habenula Uh, no one knows no one cares no one knows no one cares Wikipedia says (laughs) this term refers to a separate cell mass in the caudal portion of the dorsal diencephalon (laughs) known as the epithalamus Found in all vertebrates on both sides of the third ventricle. Wow. It is embedded in the posterior end of the stria medullaris. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> oh, my God. Keep going. No, I'm done. Uh, Wait a sec. What did you just say? Get your Let's story right again. again. Let's start this again. <laughs> the habenula. Uh, is Dr. Stark's not the best, though? She really is. Yeah. That was so much fun. She really is. I really do miss her. 
yeah she was she was great i mean yeah what a bummer couldn't do the job couldn't do the job well i mean i respect it yeah she knew she didn't have enough bandwidth for us right (laughs) understandable totally understandable we are very needy the two of us alone was probably overwhelming yeah we're meeting with our faculty advisor (laughs) left and right Okay, so normally we go to... That, that's Jamie Starks. Dr. Jamie Starks, shout out to Dr. Jamie Starks. Thank you. For shout out on. to Chuck Levin's Washington Music Center. Hey! Bringing the, the equipment that works so well every week. Yep. <laughs> yep. Normally we go to Kevin's Corner now, but you know what? We already, we already did it. I do know that. So um, so let's pop over the mailbag. Let's go to the mailbag. Open no, it up. I can't wait for the mail to come. I know how much you love that one. Here's what I don't understand is <laughs> you make all these drops. Yeah. That are so short. <laughs> Listen to this. Yeah. And then your freaking mail, mail drops are like two minutes long. Yeah. It's like a full length song. <laughs> okay. Mailbag question. We got a, we got a scorcher today. Let's hear it. Um, <clears throat> hi there. Question for the mail pod, mailbag pod. A new book in HBO documentary explores the origins of the opioid crisis. They place much of the blame on Purdue Pharma, maker of the highly addictive opioid OxyContin, and its founders, the Sackler family. They engaged in heavy-handed marketing, lied about evidence the drug was easily abused, and had overly cozy relationships with the FDA. Mm. But in the end, it was the doctors who prescribed it. Mailbag question. I'm curious, does your medical school curriculum include any discussion on how to see through the hype from pharmaceutical companies or more generally, how to prescribe opioids in a thoughtful way, i.e. sparingly? Wow, this is a great question. Suzanne in Brooklyn Park, fan of the pod. Suzanne, (laughs) this is a wonderful question. Great question. Thank you for sending in this thoughtful piece of mail. Boom, 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 boom. Uh, So there's really two questions. Yes. A, uh, how to uh, not believe the hype of pharmaceutical companies mm-hmm. B, how to responsibly um, prescribe opioids. Yes. Uh, do you have thoughts? I've got some thoughts. Hit it. Well, there, yeah, we had like a whole class, like at least one long day of small groups about conflict of interest. And that's what this ultimately came down to with the, with the opioid problem with uh doctors over prescribing them was there was at the core of it a con- conflict of interest um where the doctors were incentivized to prescribe these medications they're also being deceived most likely yeah they were being told this is not addictive yes but even still they had they, had, they were listening to the pharmaceutical company exactly like suzanne pointed out they had the they had uh inappropriate uh, relationships basically with pharmaceutical mm-hmm. companies, pharmaceutical mm-hmm. reps. Um, yes, and they weren't using, they weren't using evidence-based medicine or good clinical judgment because they had this conflict of interest, conflict of interest. So our school did have a class where it emphasized how to kind of recognize, uh, conflicts of interest. Um, 
there's a variety of forms of them. This is they definitely talked about this and how the best way to go about avoiding anything dangerous is just to not put yourself in that position. If somebody's like, oh, here, have a free trip. You can't you could think to yourself, oh, I'll take this free trip. It won't influence me, my decision making, even though Purdue Pharma is, you know, sending me to Fiji. No, no, don't do that. Just say no, thanks. No trip for me. Yeah, we had many small groups. I agree. That was one of them for sure. Yeah. And and I would even say this, the opioid prescription crisis came up probably a couple dozen times in our first three years Wow. from a few different professors, few different angles. And so we definitely are knowledgeable about this. Yes. So um, and that's number. That's the answer. Second question that, yes, we know about this. First question, yes, we were told don't get yourselves involved with pharmaceutical companies. If they try to offer anything, just say no. Yeah, or really with anybody, even if it's like a patient, like, and they're trying to do a kind gesture, give you a gift, the best policy to avoid the possibility of there being some compromise in your medical decision-making is to just basically decline anything. Yep. Um, and as part of my family medicine rotation, we just had a, a class on um, safely prescribing opioids. Um, of course, we don't prescribe any medications as medical students, but womp womp. chronic pain is like one of the one of the things that me family medicine doctors get seen for more than anything else. Really, might be the most common complaint that I've seen sure. in my month, and so it's important for family med doctors to uh be able to prescribe pain medications in a responsible manner and so for chronic pain specifically the current guidelines are that opi opiates are not inappropriate or an effective treatment for them uh because it's been they've been shown to not treat chronic long-standing uh pain uh, that being said there are situations where opioids are the appropriate treatment. Uh, I think this probably came up in your last rotation, uh, palliative care. There are situations where opioids are appropriate. Yeah, cancer pain. Opioids are very appropriate. Yeah, uh, neurosurgery. Opioids are super appropriate in the post-operative period. These people have excruciating acute pain because they just had surgery done to their brain or spinal cord. Exactly. So... But we, I like that we've we've learned about this. Yeah, absolutely. Our, our our what's the word? Our awareness is definitely high on this topic. We're not going to graduate and just start handing out oxycontin, oxycodone, without thinking twice about it. Right. Yep. Um, and I've been in this like family medicine rotation for the past nine months. Yep. We have a longitudinal curriculum throughout the nine months that teaches us about the opioid basically about addictions medicine and addiction, um, how to treat addictions. But just I just pulled it up. Uh, some of the curriculum topics um, are called, one of them is uh, addiction and addiction science, uh, opioid tapers and synthetic mm -hmm. opioids, opioid use disorder in pregnancy. Uh, a lot of these different topics are about the opioid crisis some context what happened and how to not repeat that process right right so we're definitely taught about it yeah absolutely i would think that our generation of physicians um 
yeah, like you're saying, has such a strong awareness of the role that physicians played in this crisis and are now better suited to avoid a similar uh, situation going forward. And hopefully by the end of our training to help people deal with their opioid use disorder. Right. Um, Because it's still a thing. There's still a very, very small handful of doctors who prescribe opioids liberally too often. I mean, I mean, I mean by that. Right. Absolutely. And our school produces tons of family med docs. And ultimately a lot of these folks with opioid use disorder uh, or chronic pain, those concerns fall on the family med docs. For sure. For sure. So it is really important that our school is taking this topic so seriously. Not only our school, I'm sure every school in the country is. I'm not so sure. <laughs> Maybe not Wisconsin. Yeah. <laughs> Yikes. Um, and back to the first question, like, like you said, we had a bunch of small groups on conflict of in- interest with pharmaceutical companies. I still remember our first year, we it was put to a vote that, oh, Big Pharma is going to take you to dinner after one of their new lectures on a new medication, that the medication is a good medication that should be used for patients. Uh-huh. But afterwards, they're going to take you to dinner. And then it was 12 of us in the small group. They're like, show of hands, who would still go to dinner? And it was me raising my hand like a jackass. And do you remember the other person in our small group who raised their hand? Me? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I don't remember. I do not have this memory. Okay, well, uh, it'll remain. That person will remain anonymous. There's only two out of us. It wasn't me, though. No, it wasn't you. Perfect student. <laughs> uh, yeah. So it de- those lectures definitely made an impact on a lot of us. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yep. And I don't think I'd go to dinner. I might. I don't know. Who know? I'm not going to be any big shot. They're not going to be taking me to dinner for anybody. Maybe. <laughs> uh, so that's it. That's to answer the questions. There you go. Suzanne from Brooklyn Park, friend of the pod. Friend of the pod. Great Thank you. Mailbags. I, I got to finish the mailbag sent, uh, segment, as always, with the same mailbag song I play every time. Now I can't wait for the mail to come. Santana's checking his phone during this song. (laughs) He's giving up on the mailbag song. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) That's it. That's the pod. And you edited down my theme song. (laughs) You sick. Good point. Twisted. Good point. (laughs) Okay, let's end the pod. Yeah. Yep. Let's do the shout outs. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, shout out. We already shouted out Jamie. Shout out Jamie Starks. Dr. Jamie Starks. Best, like we said, best neurologist this side of the Mississippi. No doubt. Uh, great faculty advisor. Uh, was a great faculty advisor. <laughs> Past tense. Uh, shout out Bubbly, yep. of course. Uh, I mean, work on your cherry flavor. Let me just, <laughs> it's not your best work. <laughs> Go back to the drawing board on that one. <laughs> Shout out Francesca Pietrantonio. Always. Just putting up with our nonsense. Yeah. Uh, you got any more shout outs? That's it. Well, like we say every week, a, a bird, bird in the, the hand, hand is, is worth two in the bush. bush. See ya. See ya.